What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh the Question and Answer Podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint and you'll walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith from morality to spirituality, uh, questions about everyday life on what we believe as Catholics, and I'm here to help you find answers. If you're first time listening, please be sure to follow the podcast on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play. Uh, you can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistantpress.com slash askfatherjosh. On today's show, we are going to be talking about the priesthood. Last week, we talked about religious life, and this week, we're going to be talking about the priesthood. And so uh, the question is going to be about why the priests leave the priesthood, and how do we deal with it? How do I deal with it as, as a priest? Uh, but before we get to that really great question, I want to share with you a glory story. glory story for the week. So this past week, I was able to participate in the Good News Cruise, and it was a, it was a gift. It was really a gift to, to meet disciples of Jesus Christ from, from all of the nation who are striving to, to live holy marriages, who are striving to persevere in their sacrament. And yeah, I, just, I met some really great disciples who, who inspired me, who love the Lord, and who are doing some beautiful things for Jesus Christ and for the, for the church. And so, yeah, Glory Store was just the gift of, yeah, the gift of married couples, of holy, holy marriages that aren't perfect, but are striving for perfection in Christ. And just the way that those couples uh, can inspire priests, like I was inspired by their love and by their devotion to each other. It helps me, I think, to be a better bridegroom to the church, to be around holy couples. And so shout out to all the couples who I met who I got to spend time with, who I prayed with, who I served, who I listened to, uh, who I walked with. You are a gift of Jesus to me, and uh, and your love really did provide a space for me and, and Jesus to also abide in deeper intimacy with each other in our spousal relationship. So, yeah, grateful for that time. With that now, let's go ahead and get into today's show. question today comes in from anonymous she writes this as a priest how do you deal with a fellow brother leaving the priesthood whether asking to leave or being asked to leave do you ever feel betrayed or angry how do you if you do address it with parishioners um so first i want to kind of yeah address why do some guys leave because everybody leaves for different reasons like there's not one reason why people leave so i want to address some of those reasons then i'll address how I deal with it, if I feel betrayed or angry, um, and how I address it with parishioners also. So first things first. So for many years, I think a lot of people 
would say the number one reason why guys do the priesthood is because they stop praying, right? Whenever we sometimes get, in seminary, we have structured prayer. In seminary formation, you, you pray throughout the day. You have mass together every day. You do morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer together uh, in community. Uh, you're oftentimes encouraged to do a holy hour in community in addition to your own personal holy hour. You do a rosary in community. You share meals with other guys. You're in class with other guys. You work out with other guys. You do ministry with other guys. You live with other guys for about six to eight years. And then you're ordained. And whenever you're ordained, you're assigned to a parish. And you might be assigned to a parish with a priest who's a good mentor, right? And so I, I think like this is the way that we should assign newly ordained priests is assign him not necessarily to a parish that he'll be good for or that the people be good for him, but assign him to a priest who could be a good pastor to him, who could mentor him, who will devote time to praying with him, to processing his ministry with him, to holding him accountable. That way it's like an easier transition into into the battlefield, right? It's um, We're trying to win for... Salvation of souls. So, yeah, so I think the first thing is the most important is, is he assigned to a, a priest or pastor who helps him to pray, who holds him accountable to his interior life? Uh, so what often happens is guys get super busy, and they see all these needs, and there are so many needs in the parish. There are so many needs in the school. There are so many needs in the diocese. Uh, there are so many needs in the church. And the guys just go, 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 go. And sometimes the first thing to go, unfortunately, is their prayer. And at first, it's, it's, you know, the holy hours, like, all right, I can, I can do 50 minutes of prayer. I, I, I'll do 50 instead of 60. It's cool. It's, I mean, still, I'm still praying. And then after that, it's, it's, I, can, I could do 45 minutes. So I could, I could sleep in a little bit later and just do 30 minutes. And, and then instead of being devoted to their breviary, they're distracted while they're praying their breviary, and they're praying their breviary while doing other things, and they're just rushing through the breviary and not really paying attention to the words that they're saying whenever they're praying. And because th there's so many needs, so many people need me for spiritual direction, for confession, masses all over the diocese, counseling, the sacraments, all over the place. Uh, we're going, going, going. I talk here, I talk there. And then our prayer decreases. And whenever we stop praying, that's whenever we're going to fall out of love with God. And then if we're not in love with God, we're going to be grasping at love from something or someone else. And so uh, Father Benedict Rochelle, he used to always ask, he was a CFR priest, he'd always say to guys who were living in the priesthood, when did you stop praying? Not did you, but when? Because he, he saw at that time, it was always a consistent thing that guys at some point gave up on prayer. And prayer suppresses our vices. Prayer helps us to persevere in our relationship with the Lord. I mean, look at Peter. Whenever Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane were asked by God to pray for an hour, they said yes. And then they didn't pray. They chose to sleep instead. And the fruit of them sleeping and not praying was they all left Jesus. Peter, James, and John all abandoned Jesus in the garden. John did come back eventually, but they all left him. Why? Well, they weren't rooted in prayer. They weren't being sustained by the grace of God. We are all fickle. Marriages are fickle. Religious life is fickle. A priesthood is fickle. And we need the grace of God to persevere. We can't just knuckle this, what's it called, white knuckle way through it. Like we have to actually rely on the grace of God. So prayer, I think, is one reason why some people leave. I think other guys leave because they're manipulated. I know of a story of a guy who was in a religious order. He was a theology student as a lay, lay person, and he was happy, and he was dating a girl who was uh, the love of his life. And then he, he went off to go just check out a discernment retreat. He's like, you know, I just went before I go any further with this, this woman, I want to find out if I'm called. So he went on a discernment retreat with this religious order. The religious order's founder was still alive. It was a really big religious order at that time. Everyone thought that this founder and superior of this community was a saint. He was not a saint. He was actually a, um, he, what's the right word, was an abuser. Um, he was 
an abuser who had a very dysfunctional life and was taking advantage of a lot of people, but no one knew. It, was, it wasn't public. And so when he went to this come and see, he got to meet with the, the superior. He got to meet with the founder of this community. And the founder of this community told him, oh, God's calling to be a member of our community. I told him, you need to join. And so he did. He joined. Because he believed, like, you know, this guy's a saint. This guy's respecting the church. This guy's religious order is flourishing. This guy, uh, he must know things I don't know. Even, even though I wasn't sure I was called, I believe him. And so he broke up with his girlfriend, and he joined the religious order. And even though he doubted throughout his whole formation, he was like, I still don't feel like a particular call. Like the founder kept saying, no, no, God told me. And he believed him. And so he got ordained in this religious order and was a priest for a number of years. But the whole time he was a priest, he was miserable because he never felt called. And then it came out. It came to the light that the founder was uh, having inappropriate relationships with women and that he was abusive. And this guy was like, wait a minute, this whole time, and it had been going on for years. He said, this whole time he had been telling me that I was called and I believed him because I thought he was a saint. And so sometimes people are manipulated by their spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers, by people they look up to. Kind of kind of like marriage might be, right? Sometimes people enter into marriage because they're being manipulated by either a spiritual director or, or a parent or friends. They're being forced into the marriage. They're being shamed into a marriage. I think of guys who were ordained in the priesthood who in seminary formation made it very clear, you know, I don't feel called and I gave it a shot. You don't go to seminary because you know you're going to be a priest. You go to seminary because you're going to discern the priesthood to discover, to find out. But one particular guy I know, he discerned pretty quickly in seminary. Ah, I'm not called. And when he told his family, his family was like, nah, you're going to get ordained because it's going to bring our family shame if you leave the, the seminary. And so it was his family who manipulated him into being a priest, right? And so th these things happen to people. And so, yeah, just like a girl might get pregnant outside of marriage. And her family's like, you're going to marry that guy right now. All right. Uh, she didn't know the guy. It was, they just, they hooked up one time at a party. She got pregnant. She chose life. And now her parents are saying, you will marry him. Otherwise, you will bring the family shame, right? So she was forced. And that's why people are able to get annulments whenever they choose marriage because they were pregnant before. And was, that's the only reason why they got married was because of that, right? Because it, it, they didn't really feel called. They weren't free. They weren't free. So sometimes people aren't free because of manipulation, because of coercion. Other times, guys, they develop unhealthy relationships. Uh, they don't have good boundaries. Uh, and so, yeah, they're priests. Priests are there for people, and sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, you were there for me, and they begin to develop emotions for priests, and, and they might pursue priests, and sometimes the priests don't have appropriate boundaries, and they might allow relationships to go places they shouldn't go, and so then, then they leave because of those inappropriate relationships. I mean, I, I've been a priest now for almost a decade, and yeah, I've been hit on, right? And, and the, by the grace of God, when I've been hit on, I've been able to just put up the boundary and get rid of that friendship, say, I can't hang out with you anymore, right? Whether it's a, a single woman or a married woman, I've been hit on. It happens. And I just put up the boundary. It's just like, I, I know how fickle we all are, and I don't want to take a chance. And so I cut off that relationship. I'll pray for you. I'll fast for you. But we can't, we can't be friends anymore because you violated right, our friendship because of what you've said to me, right? And so sometimes people begin to engage in unhealthy relationships and they fall for somebody because they didn't have appropriate boundaries. Uh, and other times guys just get burned out uh, because they they take on things that God never asked them to take on. They're doing things that God never asked them to do because of the ego, right? 
I want people to think I'm a good priest. And so I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or I want to be loved, or I want to be seen, or I want to be noticed, or I want to be affirmed, or, or whatever it is, it's pride at the end of the day. But if that if our vices aren't in check, and we're not cultivating the appropriate virtues, then we're just going to say yes to everything and everyone, because we're more concerned about everything and everyone more than we're concerned about God and what he's calling us to do, the, the few things he's calling us to do. So sometimes guys get burned out. But at the end of the day, it, it's all, to me, rooted in a lack of self-revelation. Uh, are our guys revealing themselves to their formators while they're in seminary? Are they revealing themselves to their bishops, to their spiritual directors, to their therapists, to their counselors, to their, their pre-support groups, to their friends? If we're not revealing ourselves, then then we're living in secret. We're hiding. Even guys who are prayerful. Sometimes guys are super prayerful, but they don't reveal themselves. Guys who had been manipulated don't tell their formator. They don't tell their rector of the seminary. They don't tell their bishop straight up what happened. They don't tell friends. If we don't expose things to the light, then we're going to open ourselves up to the possibility of, of falling away. And then there are so many other reasons why guys leave. But yeah, but nonetheless... Nonetheless, how does it make me feel uh, whenever I hear about it? It just it kind of depends on the circumstance, right? I, anytime a priest leaves the priesthood, the, the initial response of my heart as a priest, as a vocation director, is that there is a piercing there. Um, and I imagine that it, it pierces the heart of Jesus. But then when I listen to people's stories and I hear what happened, um, compassion, I feel compassion, understanding, particularly for guys who have been manipulated into the priesthood uh, by by somebody in their life, right? Whether it was like the founder of the religious order or whoever, like those stories always break my heart for the guy. And do I feel anger? Not toward the guy. I feel anger toward the person who manipulated them, right? Uh, not an unjust anger where I condemn them to hell, but where I'm inspired to pray for their conversion. I'm inspired to pray for their heart, right? The feeling of anger is not a sin, right? Not all anger is bad. Jesus Christ was angry. But that anger that allows us to pray for people is good. And so how do I address my parishioners? So far, I haven't had to address it with my parishioners uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, I haven't had a priest who was currently with me in an assignment leave. I've had priests who who preceded me who've left the priesthood or who followed after me who left the priesthood. But uh, I guess how would I address with parishioners? I would just be honest with them, right? And I would just not expose anyone to shame, right? So, but but encourage people to be reminded that we're all fickle, that we are all fickle and that this has happened throughout salvation history and that, and that people have, have left, but nonetheless, some have come back. Like I know there's this story about uh, the guy who was in the Vatican. He was a homeless person, Polish origin, and, and he would sleep outside in Rome and he didn't speak to anybody and people didn't bring him meals and Finally, after a, a long time, people who started like ministering to him and he allowed them to minister to him, he told them, he said, hey, y'all, I'm a priest. A priest was homeless in Rome. And he said, and I know the Pope. And <laughs> they were like, what? He said, yeah, we, we, we were classmates in seminary in Poland. And so somehow word got back to St. John Paul II. This is whenever Pope John Paul II was the Pope. And whenever he heard the guy's name, he said, yeah, yeah, no, that— I was I was in seminary with him. He said, "Where's yet? I want to I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. I want to pray with him." And so they they connected, and the guy was brought to the Vatican, and and they had a meal together. They hadn't seen each other in forty years, in forty years. And at the end of the the audience, uh, the the priest finally said, "We hear my confession." And Pope John Paul II heard his confession, 
And then Pope John Paul asked him, well, will you hear my confession now? And he reinstated him into in the priesthood. Um, so sometimes guys leave and sometimes they come back, just like sometimes people have rocky marriages where they separate and they come back. And so we, don't, we never know what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, what we're supposed to do for everybody is to pray, simply to pray for everybody and to fast and to not gossip and to not uh, assume the worst, but to just pray for them and to love them well and to show them compassion um, and, to, and to see in them like, wow, it could be me by the grace of God. It is not me right now, but it could be me too. This has happened for many people who have entered religious life and priesthood and marriage. They've fallen away without ever thinking that it could happen to me. So it's important that we have open and honest and vulnerable relationships with our bishops and our spiritual directors and our counselors and our therapists um, and our pre-support groups. And, and, and if we don't, then we're, we're definitely, we're walking on thin ice. It's, it's not... It's not a good thing. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think, why some guys leave, and that's how it makes me feel and, uh, at times and, and how, how we address it. So please pray for me and pray for all priests because we're all fickle, right? I, I hope to never leave the priesthood. When I got ordained, it was never even a thought that it could happen, but I also am aware that I am a broken human being like the rest of everybody else. And just like Peter walked away from Jesus time and time again but kept coming back, like— I know it's possible, right? Because I'm fickle and you're fickle. And we can't think that can never happen to me. My marriage would never end. Uh, I would never leave religious life. I would never walk away from my, my diocese. We hope not, but we need to be rooted in prayer and we need to be honest and we need to have boundaries, have healthy boundaries. And we need to say no to invitations so we can be rooted in what it is that God is inviting us to do and who God is inviting us to serve for the grace of God. For the grace of God alone, are we able to persevere in our vocations and our walk toward eternity? So with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. If you want to receive show notes and any updates about the podcast, subscribe to my email list by texting Ask Father Josh to 33777. And when we get back, we're going to talk about our saint for the day. Hi, I'm Father Mark Toops. Do you ever feel like you're asking God for too much in your spiritual life? The truth is you're probably asking for too little. And if you'd like some help this Lent, opening up your heart to God to allow Him to bless you with all that He has for you, you should pick up the new Ascension Lenten Companion Year A. This coming Lent, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. If you'd like some help to go deeper, you'll need to ask for more. And this is what this year's journal is designed to help you with. Each day, you'll get a word to focus on, a reflection to help you pray, some scripture to meditate on, and a prompt to help you quiet down and listen to what God wants to say to you. And each week, we feature a piece of original artwork as well as an original online video to help you in your prayer. I wanna encourage you to be bold this Lent, to ask God for more. Go to ascensionpress.com and order your copy of the Ascension Lenten Companion today. God bless you. And we are back. Just a quick reminder, you can also hit me up with your own questions and comments and critiques at 
www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh and you can receive show notes and updates by texting askfatherjosh to 33777. Our saint for the day is a servant of God who was, get this, guess what, yep, a priest. Uh, And he is a priest who died in 2007. So I was actually in seminary formation when this guy uh, died. He was killed by terrorists. His name is Servant of God, Rahid Aziz Ghani. And uh, he studied from in Rome uh, during his seminary formation. And he was a good seminarian and he was holy and he was joyful and he had good friends. He got ordained. And he was like one of those priests that was like the new priest who was super popular and on fire for Jesus and invested in the youth and was giving talks everywhere and was praying all the time before the Blessed Sacrament, offering the sacraments of you know the, the divine liturgy. Yeah, he was just a good guy. Um, and after he returned home, uh, there was a, well, I guess he came home during the war, right, in Iraq. And so the U.S. invaded Iraq in 2003 and shortly after that's whenever he like came back home. And yeah, in his diocese, he said like, my people need me, like they need priests, they need spiritual fathers. And he had a heart of the father and it was dangerous. I mean, it was so dangerous, uh, especially for Christians. He lived in what was considered the most dangerous city in Iraq. And I mean, grenades were thrown into his church. A car bomb went off after mass killing Christians. His bishop's house was bombed. His sister uh, was wounded during this time. His parish was attacked on numerous occasions. The church was being attacked by terrorists, and he remained faithful. He didn't stay in Rome and say, well, I can't go back there. I want to go to somewhere else where it's safe. No, he went to be where his people were suffering, kind of like Peter did. Toward the end of Peter's life, Peter was walking away from Rome, and he saw Jesus go back to Rome. He said, where are you going? And Jesus said, I'm he said, he said, Quovitis. And Jesus like, I'm going back to the people. They're suffering. Like, let's go. Let's go. So Peter went back and suffered with Jesus and died. And so that's what um, Father Varhi did as well. He went to be with his people and he offered them the sacraments. And and after explosions would go off, uh, the next day, even more people would come to Mass. Like People were like, we will not leave the Eucharist. We believe that we need the Eucharist. And so the terrorists began to tell him, you need to stop saying Mass. You need to shut down your church. And he disobeyed them. And so one day after Mass, he was pulled over, and he was questioned, and he was fussed at, and they demanded him to convert to Islam, and he refused, and so they killed him. He died a very young priest. He was only ordained for a few years, and now he's a servant of God. And so, but he's just a beautiful witness that, man, like, wow, what a gift of a priest to, to, to realize, like, what's important. It wasn't important for him to live a comfortable life. It wasn't important for him to be safe. It was important for him to imitate Jesus and to suffer with his people and to share the sacraments. Uh, and so we praise God. We, we bless God for him. And so we ask this wonderful, beautiful new servant of God, uh, Father Radhi, to pray for us uh, in our walk toward eternity so that we can join him in the kingdom of heaven and become saints in our walk toward eternity. With that being said, encouragement is pray for all priests. Glory story. I will share another glory story, part two. I would just say this. Prayer groups of priests are powerful. Prayer groups for priests transform priest lives. And because priest lives are being transformed, their parish is being transformed. I'm not going to go into details, but I will just say this. I know a number of priests who have intercessors, uh, women and men who intercede for them, who fast for them, who pray for them, who those priests are thriving now, and they attribute their, their freedom and their priesthood and their uh, yeah, just their joy and their priesthood, they attribute it all to these hidden prayer warriors. So please, 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 Pray for priest. All right.
And this is Father Josh, Ask Father Josh Show from all of us here at Ascension Presents. Deuces. Deuces.